At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A Playlist Original. Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the podcast, we're talking about the Rogers family. And I'm sure if you're Canadian, you know about Rogers Communications. You know all about it for the wrong reasons, for bad reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody in this country has a positive relationship with Rogers Communications, do they? I don't know. Well, I mean, I certainly don't think so. I think that hating on telecom companies such as Rogers is actually a Canadian pastime. Mm, I'd, I would tend to agree with that. And I think for those who don't know, you know, the wireless market in Canada has very few players and it's dominated by Rogers, Telus, and Bell. Um, people have argued it's an oligopoly. If you know what a monopoly means, oligopoly is, you know, where the market's uh, dominated by just a few providers. Um, but it's, you know, Rogers is obviously one of the largest telecom companies in Canada. And can I say so- can I say something controversial before we get into it? Um, I've recently had a really positive experience with Bell. Um, <laughs> so I'm just putting that okay. out there at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Bell Five, I'm really into Bell Five, and we have Bell does not sponsor this podcast. Bell does not sponsor. <laughs> it's funny how John Tory, who of course is mayor of Toronto, keeps finding himself and himself in the middle of our podcast stories. You know, like we met him first in Kim Campbell and. I'm I'm surprised to see him back again. This was certainly not a connection that I knew much about, but um, it's also kind of, um, I mean, we'll get into this, but it really speaks to how intertwined the Rogers family is in a lot of political circles and certainly like Toronto's elite. The, the circle is very small, you know? And I think that that to me is, has been like one of the most troubling parts of the story is just like how um, how interconnected the the tops are in Canada, and how like you know you talked about an oligopoly, and it's like almost like that among the people who are running these things too, right? Everybody's friends, everybody knows each other. There's so few people, like there's so few hands yeah. involved. I mean, a lot of people care about this story, I think, too, because of the connection between Rogers and Toronto sports teams. Mm-hmm. You know, Ro- Rogers owns the Blue Jays outright, and it's also the controlling shareholder for uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, also called 
MLSC, which owns the Raptors, the Leafs, and Toronto FC. Um, so Rogers is, you know, it's intimately intertwined with <laughs> Toronto institutions like all these sports teams like the law firm, Tories, and, you know, John Tory himself. Um, but I think the other reason why this is kind of stories capture the minds of Canadians is because, and a lot of people have compared it to Succession, the HBO show, because of the corporate intrigue of it all, because of all the interesting people and family dynamics and drama. Well, and I think that also this is a pretty private family and also just Canadians like don't really care that much generally, I think. And so nobody's, you know, banging down their doors for interviews or anything like that. Like there's just not that much information about the Rogers family, just generally. Um, They're not very public. They're not in the public eye. And so this is kind of like radically, you know, thrust them into the spotlight in a way that I suspect a couple of them are not comfortable with, but we'll get there. Um, And so I think that that's also what it's kind of like, you know, for lack of a better term, piercing the corporate veil, if you will. Like it's really pulling back the curtain on – on like the interworkings and interpersonal relationships of the Rogers family, which I think, you know, we as Canadians know the Rogers, but we don't really know that much about the Rogers. And we're discovering quite a bit more about them through this story, which is, it's just kind of fun. It really Even is. Even though the details are a little <laughs> monotonous and tedious. Well, we will talk about, you know, the ownership structure of the company and kind of get into a little bit of the, the corporate governance piece for anyone interested and you can you can always skip through that bit but you know the other thing the other i think the other reason why this is kind of a good comparison to succession is because it it's it's kind of the story of what happens from when a business passes from one generation to the next right and you have the the generation that's kind of the visionary the logan roy or the Ted Rogers of Rogers Communications. Okay, and for those of us who don't watch Succession, you know, <laughs> let's not get too, well, too in the weeds. And then, the, you know, the next generation just doesn't maybe have the same talent or mm-hmm. vision as that takes. last generation, right? Which we kind of have, which is kind of what Ted Rogers has said about yeah. <laughs> his children. Um, I know, we don't even have to speculate. And it's kind of a similar attitude that Logan Roy and Succession has towards his children. And it's hard to tell where the show is now, you know, who's act, who he actually favors, whether he actually intends to have any of his children take over their company, which is also, you know, it's a media company. So communications media, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of based on supposed to be kind of like Fox News. But there there are a lot of comparisons. And I think as we start to talk about the people I won't be able to resist the comparison. So, Liv, let's start talking about the players and the family itself. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this all begins with Ted Rogers, who um, whose father was actually the, uh, the, the first entrepreneur in his family, shall we say. Um, it wasn't necessarily him. Um, his father invented the batteryless radio, um, but he died quite young. He was only in his late 30s when he died. And um, it seems that, you know, Ted spent the rest of his life trying to build back the the company that his 
that his mother felt that was lost with with the with the early death of his father and quite a lot of it is i feel like there's quite a lot made of um them being left in poverty after his father died you know because they had kind of sold um what was left of this uh radio company i guess for less than what they felt it was worth but um You know, I think it's noteworthy that Ted did attend UCC, which is, of course, like the most prestigious all-boys school in Toronto, um, which is very expensive to attend. Very, very expensive to attend. So obviously they weren't quite, you know, so down on their luck. Or in any event, Ted was able to access was able to access people in power and who came from wealthy families and was at least in those circles by having, you know, access to UCC, which is where he went to school. Yeah. There's a lot made and kind of debated about whether it's Ted Rogers was, was truly a self-made, a self-made man or a self-made billionaire. And we can kind of, yeah, we can, we can debate that all day long, but I, you know, I think it's, it's key to point out that he had, he was certainly set up for success in that sense. Yeah. And I mean, it's not to take away from like the success that he had because obviously, and I hear this a lot about like certain, you know, let's call them like famous socialites or famous celebrities who have like really rich parents are from like very, very affluent backgrounds. You know, not every, um, you know, rich kid has the same success as, as another rich kid. Certainly, you know, it does take some tenacity and and, and hard work and all, everything like that. But like, you know, not everyone's starting from an equal playing field. And that's all we're saying. Yeah. And certainly with respect to hard work, that was Ted Rogers reputation is that he was, you know, that was his shtick. That was like, his shtick is, like, is more accurate. All I heard about in his interviews yeah. of how hard he worked and how prepared he was. Now he had a bed at the office and all that stuff. And yeah. Um, but maybe we should move on from from Ted, but who we'll we'll return to later when we. Talk oh wait, about I want to say one more thing about him. Um, and of course, he marries uh, Loretta, who um, he met while vacationing. And uh, what's important about Loretta is that she was the daughter of a British MP who would later become a lawyer, a lord, and governor of Bermuda. And he is by all accounts insanely wealthy and um his name was jack jack robinson and i think he is really i don't want to say (laughs) his marriage to loretta is very important i think to the success that he ends up having because um jack becomes an investor in the company and i think really kind of like helps him and gives him the resources to um to make a lot of the purchases and make the risky decisions that he does um and certainly i think you have a little bit of security when you're you know have that much wealth at your disposal so let's talk about ted and loretta's four children ed melinda martha and lisa i have i couldn't find very much about lisa she seems to keep a low profile she is a director of the board, I believe, and she is also involved in the Rogers Control Trust. We'll we'll explain the, both of those things shortly, but we'll start with with Ed, the oldest son of the Rogers family. He is uh, Ed Rogers the third. I think his father was, you know, by all accounts, was a little bit a little bit concerned about his work ethic. He was 
I've heard him be compared to Kendall, but I think he's better compared to Rowan Roy from Succession, given that he doesn't didn't really want to work for a time, whereas Kendall is kind of a workhorse. He just doesn't have the best judgment. Um, I think maybe both apply to Ed. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what you think later on. But uh, Ted sent him to work at Comcast in, in States, obviously. After he graduated from undergrad, they told him to give him every shit job. Um, he reportedly said, he, he was quoted as saying, um, Ted's like a fine wine. He's still, you still have to get, like he still has to age quite a bit before he'll be ready to be consumed. I think with respect to whether Ed would be named as next the next CEO once Ted's stepped down. And we'll talk about, you know, the struggle for control of the company, of course. Anything about Ed Rogers you want to say? No, I just Other than I really everything that's like, coming. Yeah, obviously there's a lot to say in the future. But I just think it's I do I can see what Ted's trying to do with his kids, right? Because I think that's always the concern with like these family businesses is that the next generation is not going to be as ambitious and hardworking. And so there's always a concern about the succession planning, right? And I think you can see from a very young age how he's like very focused on the succession planning. Like he's thinking about like, okay, how do I put my kids in a situation where they understand the value of hard work, where they're not just being kind of like, you know, um, gifted, the CEO position. And he's like really putting them through the the, the paces um, in a way that I think is like kind of interesting. And I mean, like, listen, I don't know. I don't know what the right approach is when you have a huge family company. Um, but I certainly think his like his concern about the succession is like interesting. And by all accounts, he was very, he was even obsessed with keeping the company in the family's control. Yeah. Um, but obviously concerned about doing that in a way that when, you know, tarnish his legacy, and I'm sure that was very important to him. But he absolutely intended to have the company remain in his family's control, whether or not he were going, he was going to install one of his children or, you know, pave the way so that one of his children would become CEO. He still wanted them to maintain control. And that's why he created the Rogers Control Trust. Belinda... Deputy Chair of the Board of Directors of Rogers, Vice Chair of the Rogers Control Trust. She was also a senior VP at one point. She's kind of in contrast to Ed. She's the most hardworking of the siblings, uh, certainly according to their father. Ted has said himself that Melinda is the most like him. I think is probably good, well compared to Shiv or Siobhan Roy from Succession in that you know, she seems she's probably the smartest, but maybe not quite as smart as she thinks she is. Is that really harsh? I don't know. But that's definitely true. I mean, I don't know. I think that's I definitely don't know about Melinda. <laughs> well, I don't know her either, but let's that's kind of I think that's a fun narrative. But it's kind of the the story is certainly in the coverage told is that it's kind of Ed and Melinda battling to maybe be the one day be the CEO of the company. They both um worked and were executives of the company and their rivalry is certainly like an open secret yes which i love Mm -hmm. no i i definitely think that's like one of the biggest parallels to the six like succession hbo story is that like it's like clearly the siblings battling it out for their father's approval you know 
and the father encouraging and stoking yeah. that. That's totally. what's also amazing. Like, I don't know. Will it be Ed? Will it be Melinda? Like, I think that's what's amazing is that these both of these fathers, Logan Roy and Ted Rogers, are actually like putting putting gasoline on the fire in a little in a in a sense and wants them to compete for it. Yeah. And, well, I and think it's, it's not like clear whether he actually intends either of those fathers actually intend to have any of these children succeed him and run this company. Yeah. I mean, we have some clarity about well, we what have. he actually wants because he's yeah, but no longer with us. <laughs> well, we're getting there. My next yeah. is my my favorite story, which is Martha Rogers. Okay. <laughs> she identifies as a naturopathic doctor. Um she identifies as an well that's like me saying like i identify as a cat do you know what i mean well she was trained as a cat sorry she was trained. (laughs) (laughs) um and i think fascinating to me is that canada land reported that her professional registration was actually revoked in 2018 for failing to pay her fees like an administrative yeah yeah nothing too controversial no she didn't get I was going to say disbarred, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the Ontario College of Naturopaths sent her a cease and desist letter to ask her to stop holding herself out as a naturopath. And her Twitter bio, I checked today, still says naturopathic doctor. But they only sent that cease and desist because of the reporting that Canada Land did, right? That's what Canada Land says. I wasn't <laughs> able to, well, I wasn't able to verify that. I, I have no reason to think that's not true, but, but that's my only source of that. Um. My favorite part about this is that throughout the drama, which we will explain, which I'll kind of tease by reading these tweets, she's kind of holding herself (laughs) up as like a feminist hero for this fight that she's currently in with her family members. Okay, I don't know if I. Okay, I don't know if you read that categorization, but well, I think you might in a second. I'll read just a couple of my faves. And let me tell you, I didn't have to dig for these. These are like her first page. Okay. Totally. Totally. She's trying to get something trending too, which I don't think is caught on, which is my favorite. My, these are my like three favorite tweets. Okay. And they're all references to like pop culture, whatever. You'll know what they are. Silence or silenced. Hashtag, hashtag Ed Rogers saga. Hashtag old guard down. Ed, want to talk? Ready to come out from Navigator skirt? You've spent a lifetime behind moms. Hashtag Ed Rogers saga. Hashtag Alan Horn. He's another member of the Rogers Control Chest. Hashtag old guard down. Interestingly, for those who don't know, Navigator is probably the fanciest PR firm in Canada. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, sure. Most yeah. Prestigious. I know that's a generalization, but like it's a it's a big name in the PR world. I assume this means Ned has hired Navigator. Um, John Gameshi worked with them. They're they're another uh, recurring character in our, on our mm-hmm. podcast. Fixers. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're fixers. She also tweeted. This is my favorite. She tweeted a photo of the text of the very long public statement that came out about the whole drama and court battle. And quote tweeted about herself, nevertheless, she persisted. Hashtag Ed Rogers saga. Hashtag old guard down. This is, Liv, this is very cringe. Oh my God, it's so cringe. Is it worse? No, like. Like, it's really bad. Like, I think the funniest thing, though, is that, like, she is probably, like, the least involved in the Rogers, like, 
communication side of it than as than any of the other siblings and she is giving out the most quotes bar none every every article is quoting her and it's all different she's talking about she's i'm sorry i think she's really liking the 15 minutes because she's quoted everywhere no, more than anyone else in this whole thing. And she like her obviously her Twitter Twitter following is growing like immensely, and I think she just likes the attention. And I'm finding it like really, really cringeworthy. Like I just don't like it. I'm like, you've got so much money, like just shut up. Like I don't know. Like at the same time, like I'm obviously like living for the drama, and like she's literally the one stirring the pot. But like I just feel like I guess I just feel embarrassed for like Loretta. Do you know what I mean? The tweets are pretty cringe. I don't know if Loretta's like paying attention to the tweets. Not that she Loretta just... knows about the tweets. Like Does for she? sure, Loretta knows about the tweets. Like they're literally in every news story. She's eighty two. I don't think she's no, but she's got like people. Like she's got an assistant who's telling her what's up. Do you know what I mean? Like she doesn't have to figure this out on her own. I just don't understand. Like the thing is, is like if honestly, I'm gonna go so far as to say that before. Martha's tweets like nobody in Canada would be talking about this story like they the would be but not maybe not be not to this extent drama. not to this extent like sure this would be news and stuff like that but I don't think like people don't really care and it's like shocking given the fact that like Rogers like is such a dominant player in in the telecom space but like Canadians just like really I think feel so powerless to whatever and like there's nothing that can really be done. And so, like, Canadians don't really care about corporate governments. Like, they just don't. Like, nobody's, like... I disagree. I think people would care. I don't know if they'd be, like, going to City Hall necessarily, because I don't necessarily think that... Has John Tory done anything really wrong? Yeah, I mean, we can get it. We can get into that. But do you know what I mean? I don't know. I do think people care. I certainly think that Canadians care about how i'm sorry like we have some of the most expensive uh telecommunications in the world like canadians do care about how completely um the oligopoly that we have in telecommunications people do care you're as you said people really hate rogers i think they're living for watching them squabble like this i think canadians are loving the schadenfreude of that i do think they love the intrigue i think this is just this is just a great story because it's got a lot it's got some for everybody but um i know i think canadians do i don't know if they care about corporate governance because i don't know if they understand and that's kind of why i want to do this but i don't think they don't care see but the thing is is like this story doesn't materially affect how Rogers is going like it doesn't affect can the Canadians bottom line of like how the Rogers is going to be is going to be run to be honest like our cell phone bills are still going to be super high you know yeah if not higher because of this whole Shaw potential acquisition that's probably going to happen do you know what I mean like yeah. they're only going to go up they're only going up before we talk about the kind of the corporate structure of Rogers because that does affect the drama we're going to discuss let's just have a quick stop at suzanne rogers suzanne is ed rogers wife she's not one of the children she's she's married in if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at midi health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, she is a kind of a famous socialite. She throws a lot of big parties in Toronto. She has her own fashion show she holds every year. Um, there's been some reporting that she would use her husband's position to try and get more coverage of her own events, which is so honestly vain and it's a, vapid, it's and cringe. I kind of love it. <laughs> I know, but it's it's cringe, but it's also just like, what's – I don't really see the issue with that. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, your husband owns, like, a media empire. Like, make those calls. Like, well, do your thing. I don't like, think I don't, that she should be interfering with journalism of – these outlets but you know fair enough i don't i don't i don't, I don't take an issue right. with it i'll be honest with you but she, she's just like us you know i think that's like the funny part of this story is like she's just a gal from elliot lake you know like that's like it's not even like she's from like i don't know new market or something like she is from like the middle of nowhere canada where's elliot lake it's really far north yeah, I do think I, then the politest way I can say this is that she certainly she certainly carries herself as new money. In this Toronto Life article, it said that they had Chloe in in 97 and then they parented separately for several years before they had their second child, Edward the 4th, and then they got married in um 2006. That's kind of scandalous, is it not? So they must have broken up after they had Chloe? Yeah, but maybe they weren't really t- – like maybe Chloe was like an accident and that, and so they weren't really together and then they ended up just getting together because maybe they found – they fell in love or – you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I just like that thought that was like a pretty scandalous little detail there. That is really interesting to, to start like parenting separately and end up getting together or like, I don't know, getting back together after like – years of that long of a time that is really interesting and now they've like been together this whole time you know yeah no they're uh, they seem to be rock solid yeah it's like it's kind of like interesting she upset a few people when she posted a picture at mar-a-lago uh with the family which upset people because mar-a-lago is trump's i don't know like hangout uh he owns it it's is it a golf club what even is it i don't even know what it is i, I have I, no idea i don't know i just know that it's mar-a-lago people were mad but she's one of the but, but to that end you know she's got her instagram is recently private but she's been known for being one of the, the very few um like very uh very present like with a large social media presence uh members of the family i, I don't think any of the siblings had that kind of a presence um it, but suzanne certainly has turned the attention to the Rogers family a little bit more than anyone else. Yeah. But well, not as also, much think, as the recent drama, which we'll get yeah. into. Yeah. 
And also like part of the part of the scandal with that too was that it was like in May of 2020 when Toronto was still locked down and like we really had no freedom of movement and they were, you know, in the States hanging with friends, which obviously is just in like pretty bad taste. And it was just like a very toned up for the situation. And obviously like Trump is no one's favorite person. So like it's just like fuel, fuel to the fire, you know? So, um, but I, her Instagram is now private, um, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't before. No, it wasn't. I tried to find it today and I couldn't because I think, she, I think amidst all this, she may have gone private. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Can I would have done the same. Can we move on to talk about the company and basically how the corporate governance of Rogers works? I don't want to bore anybody, but I do think it's kind of worth explaining because it's not that complicated, but I think a lot of people are like, ah, you know, <laughs> but it isn't. So Rogers has basically two types of shares. It has a group of shares that are publicly available um, and publicly traded. So anyone can buy stock in it, but they're non-voting, which means they don't have the rights of shareholders to um vote on shareholder proposals, elect members of the board of directors, um, appoint. They can't make fundamental decisions. They, they can't, can't do anything. Yeah, they can't vote, basically. right? Like they, they just they just collect dividends and they do have they do have an ownership interest in the company, but all they really do is collect dividends. Um, they don't actually run it. Now there's another class of shares, the class A shares, which are not publicly traded but do have voting rights. And 97.5% of the Class A voting shares of Rogers are owned by a trust, the Rogers Control Trust, which was set up by Ted Rogers very shortly before his death. So the Rogers Control Trust has effective control of, um, of Rogers Communications. And again, this kind of supports supports the the narrative that Ted Rogers was obsessed with keeping Rogers in the family's control. Um, but for some reason, he still he chose not to make any of his children the CEO. He actually gave the job to a man called Nadir Muhammad, and the job has been passed around ever since. There's been quite a few CEOs since uh, Ted Rogers' death in 2008 but you know with respect to the the rogers controlled trust the family trust there are 10 people to control the trust and the chairman of the trust who acts as kind of the representative for the trust is ted rogers sorry is ed rogers ted's son the son kendall roy whoever you like um <laughs> and yeah, as the chair, he kind of acts a represent. He's as a representative of the controlling shareholder. It's almost as though, and we'll see when we talk about kind of what happened, that he kind of can act like the controlling shareholder of Rogers itself because he's the chairman of his trust. Now there are ten people um, who who are a part of the trust. All the children, I believe, all the children and Loretta also um, run the trust. I think uh, Melinda is the vice chair of the trust, but Ted is the chair, um, which means that he controls it. So if you don't mind, can we just step back for a second? Yeah. So this, so in 2000, um, Ted Rogers lured um, Nadir Mohammed 
um, to be Roger's new CEO. And, and he made a real big impact, um, at the company. He, yeah, he really like kind of spearheaded them into the new generation. To me, it's interesting that event that he kind of gets the blessing from Ted Rogers, if you will, to be the CEO, because like, there's just really no question that he's the more qualified CEO, right? Like he's had a history of success. He's the businessman. And so Ted, you know, wants him to be the CEO. And then he eventually picks, you know, Edward over Melinda to be the, the chair of the, of the trust. But I think what's interesting then is that once Edward's, Edward's the chair, he has so much power that he can actually make the CEO's life kind of miserable, it seems. And he can kind of like alter things so that it it causes tension and friction with the CEO. And that seems to me to be the case that ever since um, Mohammed left, that there's kind of been like this, you know, rotating door of CEOs coming in and out um, because they're having trouble working with Edward, obviously because (laughs) Edward doesn't really want to work with any of them. Um, And it seems like that's kind of intentional on his part. I don't know if you agree with that characterization. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know exactly why there's been that resolving revolving door. I don't know. Uh, I haven't read anything about. I have. I have heard that Ed has tried to meddle and <laughs> has taken some tough positions with some of the sports teams. I know he got he got a lot of heat for trying to interfere with. And again, I'm kind of speaking generally because I don't know the details of this. Um, the manager of the Raptors, he got in, he kind of got involved in his contract negotiations. Ed has certainly done some controversial things as the chair uh, of the Rogers Control Trust. And, and again, I, I do think the general narrative that's emerged is that, you know, you have a company that's run by one visionary patriarch and it's <laughs> you have him handing off this company to a bunch of children who just maybe aren't just quite as bright or talented as the visionary patriarch. And we'll see that I think shortly in our, in the kind of squabble that ensues. The thing with the, the, the Raptors manager though, it, it really doesn't make any sense to me. Like anyone, I haven't heard anyone on the side of, of um, Edward in that way, because I mean, since um, Mizai Ujiri's come to Toronto, like he's had such phenomenal success and, and the Raptors have been in the playoffs uh, like ever since he has been here. And obviously he um, was here when they won the championship. So, it, you know, nobody in Toronto wants him gone. He's obviously been incredibly effective. And, um, you know, there was reports that, uh, that Ed actually called, uh, you know, a big shot at the NBA to try to get the the decision overturned. And like, it just doesn't make any sense, like why he's gone to such lengths to, to, you know, I don't, I don't know what his plan was. It just seems Ed like makes choices. Like, it just seems like he's obsessed with kind of throwing his weight around sometimes. Um, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like nobody, I haven't seen anyone who's like, yeah, no, Ed was, Ed was in the right there. That, uh, are you Jerry? Like, he needs to go. Like, nobody said that. Everybody loves this guy. Everybody. Mm. 
Well, speaking of throwing his weight around. Can we go to the drama? Let's do it. So my favorite part about this is that it started with a butt dial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the irony in a telecommunications I company. I know. That's hilarious, actually. So Ed Rogers wanted to oust the current CEO of Rogers, Joe Natale, and wanted to replace him with the company's then-CFO, Tony Staffieri. The crazy thing is that Staffieri <laughs> accidentally butt-dialed Joe Natale. I wonder if that's a Siri problem or something, how that happened. If Siri heard the guy's name and he was in his phone. I feel like... Because butt dialing used to be a bit of a bigger problem, but like it's not something I've recently encountered as being an issue. So that's like a good point. Is it Siri dialing? You know, like what is it? Makes sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, Staffieri accidentally butt dialed Joe Natale while he was talking about this, uh, you know, planned takeover of the CEO job with someone else, some unnamed soul. Natalie got obviously heard this on the phone, alerts the board, including the other family members, um, including Ed's sisters and mother. Um, and then they called an emergency meeting to vote to block the move and to uh, the move, sorry, to um, to oust the current CEO and replace him with Staffieri and to remove Ed as chair. Following this, uh, we hear in late September, kind of mysteriously and for no reason, that Tony Staffieri is leaving the company. Um, and only later did the public learn. So all of this was kind of kept under wraps for, I think, for a couple of weeks. And later the public learned what had happened, that Ed had tried to place Tony as CEO, uh, you know, unsuccessfully. Um, essentially... Once Ed was voted out as chairman of the board, he still remained a board member, which is key. But later that evening, he said he was going to use the role yet as chairman to, uh, sorry, as chairman of the trust, which is, again, the controlling shareholder, to fire five members of the Rogers Communications Board and replace them of, you know, successors that he chose and reinstate himself as chair. And to understand why this is this is possible. It seems simple, but you know, for those who aren't aware, for shareholders, one of the rights that they have is to elect the board, the board of directors. They get to elect directors, and it's usually in the shareholders' agreement um, that, like, how many direct, how many directors that you can actually uh, that you are allowed to elect. And if you have more, if you have more shares and more. Uh, and you have more ownership stake, you can elect more of more of the proportion of the directors or usually a board of, you know, uh, over three directors for a company of this size, obviously. Because the Rogers Control Trust holds 97.5% of the shares, the Rogers Control Trust can pretty well elect every director, save for maybe one, Um based on just based on their proportionate share of the company and again i don't know what their shareholders agreement provides but because of that the the trust itself can do that um so ed delivered a written resolution of the to this effect a written shareholders resolution rather than actually calling a shareholder meeting um which is has been hotly contested in court um 
it's the battle lines have kind of been drawn, at least from within the family. And there are family allies, um, and and there are Ed allies who are kind of falling on either side of this. But broadly, it's pretty well Ed against everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, his mother and his sisters have tried to block this, have tried to have fought this in court. Um, and I th- I'm sure we'll probably appeal the latest ruling and continue to fight it. But from Ed's perspective, you know, the argument was that as chair of the trust, he is effectively himself the controlling shareholder and he can be able, he is able to fire and hire direct- directors of the company's board at his own discretion. Um, and very strangely, like there was a, a point in time where there are actually two boards of Rogers during this dispute. Like there was two boards claiming to be the board, people who were saying that they weren't that the those five directors that he fired weren't properly ousted. Um, there was that board still existed. And then the new board that Ed had elected also still existed, which is very strange because like there are still overlap with a lot of these people. So can you just imagine the tension in that room and how awkward and just cringy it would have been? I just can't. I think just that, like, I think that Ed seemed to have make, made some enemies because he seemed to have been dishonest with his mom about um, about Natalie's performance because initially she was uh, – he reported that she supported the firing and then um, she claimed that he had given her inaccurate information about his, you know, performance as the CEO – and that seemed to, I think, cause a, a bit of tension and the rift um, that maybe she felt like she couldn't trust him and the information that she was getting from him. And I just think it seems kind of interesting that like it's literally Ed against everybody else. And it, it just te- tends to make me think that like he's doing, if not technically illegal, something wrong that's kind of like going against the spirit of, you know, the family trust, if you know what I mean. Because according to BC, he's not doing anything wrong. So I haven't seen the court filings, but I understand that Ted swore an affidavit explaining how, in his opinion, Joe Natale's, again, the 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 CEO that he wanted to oust, how Joe Natale's performance was suffering. And I don't know if it contained information about what Loretta had said in the affidavit. I mean, that would be hearsay. But um to my it, under- did. it did. It did. Okay, I haven't mm-hmm. read it, but you know what she's accusing of is accusing Ed of is swearing a false affidavit. So speaking of affidavits and court filings, this has been heard by the BC Supreme Court by Justice Fitzpatrick. Um, and why are we in BC? Might you ask? Because that was a question why that I asked. I was like, this is the most quintessentially Toronto case. Like, what what the heck are we doing in BC? And it's apparently because there's some obscure loophole in BC corporate law um, that allows anyone with two thirds uh, controlling share of the shareholders can add or remove directors with a consent resolution rather than a shareholders meeting. In any event, Justice Fitzpatrick upheld Ed Rogers' decision. So what he did is legit, apparently, allegedly. Well, and a lot of people have, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this like two tiered structure of corporate governance. And, you know, some people think it's a good thing because it gives the, like, the family more control and other people think it gives the family too much control. Right. So, um, 
it's interesting that to me that it was upheld. I was something that I was surprised about. I was honestly expecting him to, uh, I don't know. I was on the side of the women, you know, what can I say? I'm a sexist. I, and I don't really, and again, I haven't seen the court filings, but I didn't really understand the argument for why he couldn't do it. Well, I just thought it was because they felt like he needed to have a shareholders meeting, that they felt like he did it in a way that wasn't proper, you know? Which may very well be the case, but at the end of the day, if it's a shareholders meeting, he yeah, is but it seems like, 97.5% like- shareholder, effectively. You know, if he runs yeah. the trust and the trust, the trust owns the company, you know, I don't really understand. I didn't understand what the argument would be for, for why he wasn't able to do that. I mean, I get the procedural argument. I understand that. Um, the argument that it should have been done by a meeting and, and not v- via written resolution. Yeah. I hear, I hear it. I listen. Yeah. I get it. But, but how far does that get us? You know, it just makes it means I, he just calls a meeting and just does what he wants to do. Well, so the Rogers stock has really taken a hit um, amidst all this drama, and I think that the reason why that this is important is because a lot of Canadians. Um, have some interest in the stock market when it comes to Rogers Communications because um, their retirement investments or and or the Canadian pension plan is wrapped up in it. So it's certainly another reason why we should care, you know. And we shouldn't, you know, as much as we're enjoying the drama, the drama isn't isn't good for Canadians. I think the interesting piece about this too is that Ed has done this and all this has gone down in the middle of a huge deal because Rogers is trying to acquire... Shock communications. It's, it's very strange. It's very strange to replace a CEO in the middle of a $26 billion deal like this, which is which is uh, being reviewed right now by a few different regulators um, for, for approval. But in any event, I do think it, it, it does, it does beyond being a juicy story, it does have an impact on Canadians. It, it, it can, you know, it could impact the day-to-day life of Canadians, but also... It's just a really interesting story about a dynastic Canadian family, which we don't have too many of, you know, and I don't know why Canadians don't care more about dynastic Canadian families, because I just think that they're fascinating. And this is just just one story um, among what I hope is a series we will do on dynastic Canadian families, which we've been talking about for a while. Yeah, but perfect excuse to do it. If you have another... Uh, Canadian dynasty you're really interested in that you want us to talk about uh, tweet at us DM us send us an email we love an email Get, tell us what you want to hear and you know I think maybe the perfect quote to end on here is you know Ted Rogers favorite quote which was always the best is yet to come if you want to keep up with us in between episodes you can follow us at just watch me pod on Instagram and Twitter Send us your thoughts and feelings about the show at justwatchmepodcast at gmail.com. And it really helps us if you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. See you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.